pray for Jamie Hudson. She's Sister Beth Camp's niece. She had an aneurysm rupture and is in the ICU at LSU. She's 35 years old. Needs our prayer this morning. Also, Sister Irma Zimmerman from Ohio. She's had breast cancer, but this week she was told that it spread throughout her body, including a tumor in her brain. We believe in God for a miracle. This is Sister Ristler's first cousin's wife, so we want to remember them in prayer. Amen. If you have a need this morning, he's our refuge. He's our sanctuary. Amen. Ask Brother Andrew Tushner if he'll open the service for us. Let's just sing that again as he comes. Oh, you are my refuge. You are my sanctuary. Amen. If you have a need, just lift it to that refuge this morning. Amen. Tell him I need you to meet me this morning, Father. Lord, you stand fast. Lord, we anchor into your word, Lord, knowing that you said that where two or three are gathered, there you'll be. Father, I know I come in your name. I know I come seeking. Lord, and I pray, Father, that you would not leave one need unanswered. Lord, I just pray, Father, for those that, Lord, that had a need. Lord, you know each one. Father, for cancer, for a brain bleed, Father. Lord, for Crohn's disease. Lord, all these sicknesses that would afflict the body. Lord, you created the body. You formed the cells. Lord, and as you designed it, Lord, you knew exactly how to fix it. Lord, we just pray that you would come now and meet each need. Lord, each heart that's represented here, I pray, Father, you would speak to us. Lord, bless Brother Aaron, O oh God, as he has studied and labored, O oh God, and given of himself. May he now in turn just lay that back at your altar, Lord, and give it back to you that you can do with it as you see fit, Father. Speak to our hearts. We give you all the praise, all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. My refuge, you are my sanctuary. When I feel afraid, oh, you're my high place. You are my refuge. Here when the storm. 
Thank you. 
Hallelujah. How many came to exalt his name this morning? Amen. How many is here to exalt his name this morning? Amen. Let's just stand together. Amen. As we worship him before the word comes. Amen. Amen. I will praise the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I will praise the mighty
you can rest assured today that his hands are faithful. You can rest assured today that if you put everything in his hands, everything's going to be all right. You know, that verse says, my anxious heart, how so easily you forget. I believe that's the human condition this morning. And that's something we're going to be dealing with, how easily we forget. But this morning, we want to remember the Lord Jesus. This morning, we want to remember what he's done for us. This morning, we want to look past the circumstance of Laodicea. Look past the circumstances of your life. I know many times we are surrounded by awful circumstances. We don't downplay that. We're not here to tell you just pick yourself up by the boots and just deal with it. No, I'm just saying remember Jesus this morning. Regardless of where you find yourself, remember the Lord Jesus. Can we go to prayer together? Heavenly Father, Lord, what a wonderful song, Lord. Lord, how wonderful it is to know that your hands are faithful, that your word is faithful, and that we can trust you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, that we can give you our everything this morning, Lord. We can give you our jobs. We can give you our marriages. We can give you our homes. We can give you our children. We can surrender all we are. And Lord, we know that you care for us, Lord, and you're going to do what's best for us. Even if we don't understand it sometimes, Lord, we can trust in you. Lord, that's where my trust is this morning for this service, Lord God, that you'll take my words, Lord God, that you'll take this, the time and study, Lord God, as I lay it down before you now, and you'll use it how you see fit, Lord. Lord, that you'll speak what you want spoken, Lord. Lord, that this morning we will remember you. Lord God, I pray that you'll take complete control now of this body, Lord, of my lips and my tongue. Lord, for I can say nothing, Lord, that would help these people if you don't come and move, Lord. Lord, we're asking your presence to convict hearts, Lord God. We're asking your presence, Lord God, to lift people up. And Lord God, may everything today be said, Lord, in the spirit of love, Lord Jesus. In the spirit, Lord God, that we all want to be ready no matter what it takes. Come now, I pray, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless y'all. If you'll take your Bibles and open with me to Psalms chapter 78. I have a little bit of a lengthy scripture reading. I pray that you'll just bear with me and, and stand through the reading of the word. Uh, Psalms chapter 78. And, and we will, we'll start right at verse 1. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established the testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children." that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Notice a theme right here. He wants it repeated. He wants it repeated. He wants it told to the, your children and your children's children. He never wants his works or his word to ever be forgotten. He wants it to go on for a generation after generation. In verse 8, it says, And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God, 
The children of Ephraim, Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forget his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things he did in their sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt and in the field of Zoan. So not only does he want you to remember, he's pointing out certain peoples that have already forgot. He's pointing out that even though I did so many amazing things in Egypt, they forgot. And so he's telling you, remember. Today he's going to tell you, remember, 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 and never forget. We're going to keep reading. Verse 13, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God and said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? After everything he's done, they said, But can he do this? After everything he gave them, they said, But what about meat? Nothing he did was good enough for them. And because it was not good enough for them, they would forget it. Verse 20. Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth, so that a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the, of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. May God bless you as you have your seat. I'm going to read from a, two more places very briefly before we get started. I'm going to read one verse in Psalms chapter 20. I'm going to read verse 7. Now we see what the children of Israel did. We see that no matter what God did for them, they would never remember. And in Psalms chapter 20 verse 7, this is to be our testimony. Some trust in chariots some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 77 and 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. This morning, I want to encourage you to remember. I'm going to speak to you this morning. Our, our, our title today is We Must Remember. Last week, I told you, or two weeks ago when I ministered here, I told you that I wanted to encourage you and, and lift you up. And, and surely, I believe the Word of God should always be encouraging, no matter what we speak on. But today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you that if you have forgotten, today you must remember. If you have forgotten what God has done for you, today jog your memory. Wake up and realize He's been so very good to me. We see right here that, that victory comes through remembrance, but failure comes through forgetting. And that's our, it's going to be our themes today. Victory comes through remembrance. Failure comes from forgetting. And God hates to be forgotten. God does not like to be forgotten when he's done so much, when he's poured himself out. 
And yet how easily we forget. And you saw in our scripture reading how his anger burned within him. And, and he was so frustrated because these were his children. And we've all been there. We, we know how it is when you feel like you've done so much for one of your children or you've, you, you've given them so much. Maybe it's for, for, for a special day and you go and you do all this stuff. And at the end of the day, they're pouty because they didn't get to do this one thing they wanted to do. And how frustrated it makes you. You feel like I gave and I gave and I gave. And what I thought I would get was thank you so much. What I thought I would get is I love you so much. I appreciate it. I know you gave so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And instead you're like, what's wrong? Well, I thought we were going to do this. And that is just a minor thing compared to what we're talking about where the king of kings laid aside his splendor, laid aside his glory, lay aside everything and came to be a man to take beatings for us, to take whippings for us, to take the cross for us. And then we forget and say, Lord, my life isn't what I wanted it to be. Imagine the pain that causes him, the disappointment that causes him. And we're going to be going a little bit slower today. So just bear with me. God hates to be forgotten. And we live in a hyper busy time. We live in a time and a world that's designed to keep you busy all the time. Every day it seems like that, that, that our schedules are packed to the max. And it seems like we don't have time for anything. And if we squeeze just one more thing in this day, I'm just going to explode because I've already got so much to do. So much to do and there's so much going on. And it seems that we have more convenience than ever before. But it seems like we're stretched for time more than we've ever been stretched before. And I've often wondered, how did people in, in the days gone by, how did they get everything done in a day? I mean, they didn't have a microwave. They didn't have a zero turn. They didn't have these things to knock out all the, the work and the chores and the, just the basic things of life like we do. And I've often wondered, how did they get everything done? And then I began to think about how what I believe it is, is that we do a lot of things that aren't necessarily things that we have to do. We spend a lot of time chasing after things that aren't actually a necessity. You come to realize that we do more than what's necessary. And in times gone by before modern convenience, they only had time and they only focused on what their needs were. What do I have to do today to put food on the table? What do I have to do today to make sure there's a roof over our head? What do I have to do today to make sure I have clothing? And in focusing on that, it gave them plenty of time to focus on, and what do I have to do to make sure my family family has a walk with the Lord why do I have time you know, what do I need to do today to make sure my children know that God is a living God what do I need to do today to make sure that the presence of God is welcome in my home and because they had time because they weren't focused on all the extra stuff they knew what was important in their life they needed food water and shelter and most importantly they needed the Lord Jesus they couldn't get by without the Lord Jesus but we've come to a point where everything's so convenient how easy it is for us to forget him for a day or forget him for two days and then not remembering until trouble comes around us see I believe we live in a time where the lines between needs and wants have become blurred to where we spend a lot of time working for things that we want we spend a lot of time doing things that we want and then complaining that we don't have any time See, I hear it all the time, and I'm extremely guilty of this myself. I, I really need to do this today. I really need to get that today. I don't have any time for this this week. I have so much to do, and so many of these things actually fall underneath the want category, and they don't fall underneath the needs category. Now, listen, I'm not complaining. 
I'm very thankful we live in a place where we have stuff. I'm not complaining. I'm not getting on to you. I'm, I'm thankful that, that we get to do fun stuff. I'm thankful that I get to go on a vacation. I'm thankful that I get to have hobbies. But what I'm telling you is that those things and the pursuit of those things cannot be what consumes your life. Those things cannot be what consumes our life. And our pursuit of pleasure and our quest for the things that we want, have we forgotten what it is that we really need? Have we forgotten what it is that we really have? Israel was provided for on their journey in every single way imaginally, imaginable. But time after time after time, they would forget. Time after time, they would allow their wants to get in place of their needs. The Lord was pouring out angel food for them. And angel's food, and they're going, but we want meat. This is angel's food. I've opened up the heavens and done something for you that I've never done for anybody. Your needs have been supplied. Yes, Lord, but this is what we want. And we got to get to a point to where our wants and our needs are in their right and proper place. It's okay to want stuff. But the Lord said he would provide every one of your needs. There are so many things right now that seem so important to us. And young people, you may not understand this yet, and, and the, the older you are, you definitely understand this better. I can remember well, very well being a teenager and the things that I just had to have, the things that I just needed so very much, and yet all of it's going to pass away. Every bit of it is a vapor, and, and the reality of it is this morning, you take everything you're sitting there on that bench thinking about, whoever you are, whatever your age is, what you have need of, and you're thinking, I need to do this, and tomorrow I need this, and tomorrow, at the end of the day, let me tell you, you only have need of one thing. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, you need a closer walk with the Lord. You need a consecrated home. We need consecrated daddies that produce consecrated homes, that produce consecrated children. That is truly our need today. We need more of the Lord Jesus, and we need less of the stuff we think we need and that's where we're at today but the world has been created in a place where there's stuff at our fingertips all the time and there's social media showing where this person's doing this and this person's doing this and this person got a new car god bless them i'm happy they got to do those things but it begins to weigh on our minds and why not me why am i getting to do that why don't i have a new vehicle lord why don't i have more money lord why don't i and he's sitting there going after all i've done for you after all I've done for you and what you're going to give back to me is a gripe, what you're going to give back to me is a focus on what you don't have, remember today the Lord Jesus. Remember today what he's done for you in your life. What we need to remember today is our calling. What we need to remember is our purpose. Why are we here? Have we forgotten what we're really here for, not to live through life, not to perpetuate the ages, not to have a good church service, not to gather together and just have a good time. Have we forgotten why we're here? Have we forgotten our purpose? And if you get nothing else out of this today, I want you to remember why you were here. You were here to serve the King of Kings. You were here to serve the Lord of Lords. You've been called to be the very bride of Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord Jesus today. You're going to hear that all through the service, and you're going to say, man, he's repeating that a lot. But I want you to leave here today going, I must remember. I must remember the Lord. I can't get caught up in the ins and outs of the world. I can't get caught up in circumstances and forget the most important thing. I can't get so focused on my pursuit of my dreams. It's good to have dreams. Pursue your dreams. But you better make sure that the Lord is in those dreams. You better make sure that it's the Lord's will. You better make sure that he has the most important place in your life. Don't forget the Lord this morning.
Listen, working for a better life is good. Working to better your family is good. Working to better your education is good. Making sure your bills are paid, that's good. You better. Or next week, you ain't going to have no lights. It's important to make sure we take care of those things. Having hobbies, having fun, those things are good. We're not, we're not preaching about that, but that cannot be what consumes us. Book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 33, the Lord Jesus says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So there's only one thing that's truly important. There's only one thing that's not going to burn, and that's his word. And those who trusted in his word, and those who remembered his word, and those who stayed true to his word. Verse 34, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. That's extreme living, consuming too much, partying, things of that nature. Drunkenness and cares of this life, so that they come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. We all have cares. Notice every single one of us has cares of this life. We all have jobs. We all have children to take care of. We have things to do. Those are cares of life. We all have a a wife to take care of or a husband to take care of or a family to take care of. We have things each and every day, and those things are our cares. Now, notice, what are we to do with those cares? He didn't say those cares were sinful. But notice, he said those things were just as dangerous as sinful things. He mentioned surfiding. He mentioned drunkenness, and then he said, and the cares of life. Now, the cares of life, you would think, why are those things mentioned in with drunkenness? Why are those things mentioned in with surfiting? Because he's telling you that is just as dangerous as sin if that's the thing that ensnares you. If that's what ensnares your heart, then it's just as dangerous as sin. So, So much, it says that these things are so dangerous that there'll be a snare onto you. So what do I do with these cares? What do I do with these words? If I know that they can snare me, if I know that they can trap me, and yet I know that I'm consumed with them and I have them, what am I to do with these? Well, he gives us specific instructions on what to do with these cares. If you'll look in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, he tells you exactly what you are to do with your cares. Because we all have cares and we all have these things weighing down upon us. And he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He says, give all these things to him and let him sort them out. Too busy, we're trying to sort out, I want this, I want this, I need this, I need, I need, I need, I need. He's saying, just give it all to me. Give it all to me. I care for you, which means I will give you exactly what you have need of. I'll look at these cares and decide which ones you really need. And I'm going to trust his decision over my own decision. My selfish flesh will say, I need it all. But the Lord says, cast it all to me. Give me all your cares. And then because I care for you, I will give you exactly what it is you have need of. 1 Peter 5 and 8, we're continuing on. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he says, give him your cares so that you can focus on the Lord Jesus. Because those who are not focused on the Lord Jesus are going to be devoured. So you say, my job is dangerous? Well, not necessarily. It can be a blessing. But if it's what consumes you and it's all you think about and that's all you think day and night, day and night, which I don't know who would do that because when I leave work, I'm done. All right? But some people get so consumed with things. And he says, he's walking about to consume whom he may devour. If you don't lay it all 
at Jesus' feet. So today, give him your cares. Focus on Christ. Notice, those who focus is not on him are subject to the enemy's attack. That's what I want us to remember this morning. If your focus is not on him and you've forgotten him, then you are subject to the enemy's attack. Listen, this morning, this is not a sermon against things. This isn't a sermon against your leisure time. Uh, but what we're talking about is a world that has been designed to make you forget. A world that has been designed to make you so busy. An Eden of Satan that takes your time, that fills every single minute with something to do, that sends new battles at you every single day, that puts your focus on the trials and puts your focus on the evils. And Satan's job, his one thing is to make you forget this morning. Satan is trying to make you forget with everything what the Lord has done for you, where the Lord has brought you from. Satan's job is to distort the truth and to point you to the circumstances because he knows that God hates to be forgotten. See, if, we can, if, we can, if he can get you this morning to forget about God's promises... If he can get you this morning to forget all that God has already done for you in the past, and he will begin to rob you of your victory. Because when you forget, then the next thing that comes along with forgetting is doubt. Because you forget that he's already delivered you once. And so when you face something, you begin to doubt. And then after doubt comes unbelief. And we know that you can't please the Lord if you're living in unbelief. So if he can get you to forget what God has done for you this morning, he's going to rob you of your victory. All right? He's going to rob you of your worship. He's going to rob you of your prayer life, and then unbelief and doubt, and these things are soon going to follow. And it's time that we start to forget the things that should be forgotten and start to remember the things that should be remembered. You know, he says in Philippians verse 3, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are in the past. Forgetting those things, I look towards the future. I look to those things which are to come. It's time that if we're going to forget something, we start forgetting things that should be forgotten. If you're going to forget something this morning, how about you forget the lie of the enemy? If you're going to forget something this morning, how about you forget the devil and his past and all the things he's put on you? How about you forget the life that you once lived? How about you forget your failures this morning and remember Jesus? Remember what he's done for you. Remember what he did for you in the past. And then look into that and realizing he's faithful. Then look to the promises of the future forget what's in the past and realize i have a promise of healing i have a promise of the holy ghost i have a promise of a rapture i have a promise that i've gone to prepare a place for you forget the things in the past forget the lies of the devil and look to the truth of god's word this morning if we're gonna be forgetful forget the things that should be forgotten and remember the things that should be remembered remember every one of god's promises remember that they're true Remember today that you've been bought with the price. Remember today that you're God's child. Remember today that he's worthy to be praised. Remember that he's done so very much for us. How can we not praise him? How can we not give him our everything? But you don't know my situation. I don't, but I know he's done so much for you. I know he's done so much for this church. Every single one here today is a blessed person. We have something to give him praise for. Remember, he's worthy to be praised. God loves to be remembered. He hates it when we forget. God is not a forgetful God himself, although there are things that he chooses to forget. Thank God he chooses to forget our sins when we repent of them, when we give him our sins, and he forgets those things. But when it comes to his promises to you, when it comes to his people, he said a mother may forget her child. He said, but I will never forget you. I will never forget 
forget you. And yet we so easily forget him. How easily we forget our purpose. How easily we forget our calling as the cares of this life begin to pile up all around us. We must remember that we are called to be overcomers in this age. We must remember that we're called to shine the light of a gospel to a dying world. There are things we must remember this morning. We're called to be the bride of Jesus Christ. And with that calling comes a responsibility to remember. We're called to take a rapture. And yet sometimes when I hear the conversations of people and the things that maybe they desire or want, when I hear the things that stumble people, when I hear the gripes and the complaints and you hear why this one quit or why that one quit or why this one's unhappy, what this one doesn't like and why this person's grumbling, I begin to wonder, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten what it's really all about? Have we forgotten how much God has done for us? Have we forgotten what he's done for us even in this building? And then go back to the old place and the years that his hand has guided us. Brother Craig, the years his hand's been upon your life, the blessings that you've seen, the blessings I've seen, how can we forget that? How can we look at a trial coming up and in the middle of something and go, oh, God, are you able? Oh, God, why am I, what's going on, God? Have you forgotten me? How can we forget all that he's done? As we see things creep back in, we begin to see the world try to blend its way back in amongst our young people. Sometime amongst the old people. You say, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten the cry? Come out of her, my people. Come out. Separate yourselves. If you fail to separate yourselves, don't you realize even if you're sitting in this church or whatever church, I don't care if it's Methodist or message, if you haven't separated yourself, then you're going to be partakers of the plague. Have you forgotten? Come out of her, my people. Be separate, saith the Lord. We can't forget this. Brother Branham says, how can we blend in with the day when God is so against the day? He's called out this day. He said it's, it's, it's past this day of grace. It turned down the call of God. There's been an indictment. You can't blend in with something that's been indicted. That makes you yourself guilty. If we forget, we'll be partakers in our plagues. Brother Branham says he will come in judgment upon the nations. And while he is being revealed in mercy, oh, hurry you hither, run quickly. Children, get away from these man-made Babylonian theological walls of unbelief and cold formalism. Like I said, I don't care what title's on your church door. If it's man-made Babylonian walls with cold formalism, run away from it. Get away from that where life flows. Don't forget what he restored us back to in this day. We must remember. He says, run away from man-made theology. Get out in the middle of the field. In God's grace, and there scream for mercy, for it is his blood of his own son that gives the mercy to us. Get away from this old world of doubt. Get away from your superstition. Accept God's message of mercy and his message of deliverance and flee to the middle of his grace. And there scream, oh, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. Others did it. Down through the ages, many were willing to separate. Others stood before us. We can't forget them. Brother Branham would, would point to it many times. He said, must I be carried to heaven on a flowery bed of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Have we forgotten who we are in this day? Look, I know this is simple. I'm very aware of it. 
But last Sunday morning as I was getting ready for church, I was going, Lord, I, I don't know what I'm going to minister. What thought? And it just struck me. We must remember. Amen. We must remember. I was standing there in my home and I told Lydia, she'd been asking me, what are you going to preach? I don't know. What are you going to preach? I, I don't know. I wish I knew. And then I told her, I said, it just came to me. And it hit me. This is what you, the Lord wants you to hear this morning. Maybe I'm not doing it justice, but we must remember. You cannot forget what the Lord has done for you in this day, what he's done for you. Have we forgotten who we are? Have we forgotten what the Lord has done for us? Have we forgotten Calvary? There's a great danger in forgetting over and over again. The scripture would tell you to remember. 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 It's all through the scriptures. Search the word. Remember. It's a, it's a central theme in the scriptures. Remember. Remember, Brother Branham would say over and over again, he would say, he would use this statement. He would say, remember and never forget. Remember and never forget. It's because forgetting will lead you to defeat. Forgetting will lead you to defeat, whereas remembering is going to bring victory. Even in Light Tabernacle this morning, we must remember. One, God doesn't like to be forgotten. Two, God hates complaining. Lord, have mercy on me. There's been many times in my life I've been a complainer. Lord, have mercy on me. Because he's done so very much for us, when we complain, it makes it look as if, well, it doesn't make it look as if, it shows that we're ungrateful for what he's done. When we complain and gripe, and it's an indication that you've forgotten. If you're complaining, you're saying, Lord, your blessings on me are not enough. The things you have done for me, Lord, they're, they're not enough. His goodness is not enough. His miracles is not enough. And it's really, at the end of the day, it's a slap in the face to God. Israel had a problem. They were on this vicious cycle of forgetting, complaining, forgetting, complaining, forgetting, complaining. And you find it, it's almost the theme of the Old Testament as they journey to the promised land. Forget, complain, forget, complain. And they were on a journey exactly like the one we're on. And in the journey, there's going to be times where unexpected things come upon your life. Listen, Brother Tim has a saying. He says, you know, heathens have flat tires too. No, that's not how he says it. Christians have flat tires too. I totally messed that up. Christians have flat tires too. <laughs> Heathens too. That's great. Christians have flat tires too. In other words, we're not immune to problems of life. We're not immune to one day getting in a situation that we don't know how to handle. As a matter of fact, if we would get ourselves to the place that we realize we don't know how to handle anything, we'd be much better off. Because as soon as we walked into that situation and we hit that moment, instead of trying to figure it out, instead of trying to fix it ourselves, we would instantly cast our cares upon Jesus and we would be way better off because he would figure it out a lot better than you could. And I promise you, you would always live in the will of the Lord if you gave everything to him. But instead, we always try to figure it out. So when we hit something we didn't expect, when we hit something that we look at as a problem, it's why me, Lord? Why is this going on in my life? How come this is happening? And Lord, why didn't you forewarn me of this? And why? And why? And why? And you've forgotten that the last time you hit a situation like that, he delivered you out of it. You've forgotten that the last time you were down in a ditch like that, he pulled you out of it. We've forgotten that his grace is sufficient. We've forgotten that no matter what's going on around us, he's going to see you through. He has not forgotten you. You are his people. He can never forget you. Just trust in the Lord and remember. They're on a journey. 
And we know that there's going to be hardships and trials. But hasn't he already done enough? That if he never does another thing in your life, you should be able to remember and thank him for it? Israel had a front row seat to one of the most powerful outpourings of God that ever hit the face of the earth. They were there in the land of Egypt. And they witnessed the actual power of the spoken word. As a man would call for flies. Brother Branham said there might not be a fly in the country. And then a few minutes later, there's one little green fly. And then next thing you know, he said something like five pounds a square yard or something. I don't remember the exact number, but they witnessed. They witnessed him speak and call for frogs. They witnessed these things. They witnessed the, the, the hail and they witnessed you know, the plagues that fell upon the cattle. They witnessed the river turn to blood. They witnessed all these things. They saw every bit of it with their own eyes. They, they realized that here we are in Goshen. Right there, all these things are falling, and none of it's even touching us. I'm sure it was a common talk around the table. Can you believe this, Brother Craig? Once again, God spoke, and it's striking our enemies. Isn't God good? Isn't God wonderful? He's delivering us. Isn't God good? This is amazing. And they saw as their God brought Pharaoh and Egypt to its knees. They witnessed the most powerful world or, or country in the world be brought down and left in absolute shambles. They had a front row seat to this, and they, they march out of Egypt, and, and their testimony is, God is good. God is wonderful. Our God is great. God is mighty. Wondrous are his works. Oh, we love you, God. You're so good to us. You're so, you're so great. You're so wonderful. How we appreciate you, Lord. And they started out, and their initial response to this, this spectacular deliverance from Egypt starts out as praise. You remember when God saved you? When he first called you out? How you just couldn't wait to talk to him. Thank you, Jesus. You couldn't wait to be in the house of God. You couldn't wait to worship. The music would start playing, and you would just begin to feel just relaxed, that the cares of the world would fade away. And that's how they start out out of Egypt. God, you're so good in their praise and worship, wholehearted trust. And yet it doesn't take but a few days, and it's grumbling, complaining, murmuring, quarreling. Moses, where's the meat we're supposed to eat? Moses, who, who put you in charge? Moses, there's no water here. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten already? Spiritual amnesia can take, takes complete control of them, covers over their eyes, and so soon they forgot God's gracious and miraculous deliverance. We're literally days away from them leaving Egypt when they come to the Red Sea. You know, we read this, and through our eyes, you, you look at the people of Israel, and if you're anything like me, you look at them and you go, how could they? How could they? Not realizing how guilty we are of the same thing. How could they possibly do that? And guilty of it ourselves. Exodus 14 and 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now, if you read that scripture and it was a standalone scripture, I don't think I'd have a problem with it. They cried out to the Lord. If you stopped right there, does that mean they said, Lord, we know what you did in Egypt. We're crying out to you now to once again bring your mighty deliverance. 
We're crying out to you, Lord, right now to strike down Pharaoh once again. We trust you, Lord. We know that just days ago you delivered us from his hand. We trust you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is that what it means by cried out to the Lord there? Nope. Next verse. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians, that we should die in the wilderness. My. Didn't we tell you just leave us alone? Didn't we tell you, preacher, to get off our back? Didn't we tell you to stay off our worldly pleasures and the things we like to do and our TV and all this stuff? Didn't we tell you to stay off our music? Why'd you pull us out of that? Now we're here and I'm bored all the time and I got nothing to do. Why didn't you just let me die back there in the world? Why do you preach this clothesline religion? Why don't you just get off our back? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone? The amazing thing about this is in the midst of all this, God moved. What a merciful God. In the midst of their griping, in the midst of their complaining, God moved. Surely this jogged their memory. Surely they said, oh God, we're so sorry. That'll never happen again. It was a mistake. Sure it was. They, they messed up, but God moved because of his goodness. Exodus 15, 23 and when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And God moved. Once again, he moved in spite of the people. At evening like Tabernacle, may he never move in spite of us, but may he move because we invite him to move. May he move because he feels welcome here. May he move because we come here knowing what he's done, knowing what he's going to do, and we begin to enter into worship, and we begin to give him our praise, and we begin to say, God, it's been a rough week, but I know who can fix that for me. I've had a bad day, but I know where I can cast my cares at this morning, and then allow God to move. Not have him move in spite of you, but move because of you, because you create an atmosphere and invite him into this place and say, Lord God, move upon my life. Lord, move and change me. Change my attitude. May the atmosphere around me affect others. May we never get so cold and formal that a devil can rest on somebody and feel comfortable sitting next to you. But may you so enter in and so worship that the demons begin to feel uncomfortable and God can move and deal with hearts and the demons can be run out of this place and there can be victory in the house of God because we remember what God's done for us, because we haven't forgot what he's done for us, because he doesn't have to move around us and go over us to make things happen. How many times is he right there waiting to break forth across the audience, but somebody's attitude's wrong and he has to hold back. He's waiting to break forth and save a life, but your attitude's wrong. You've forgotten, and it hinders the moving of the Spirit. God, forgive us of that. We must remember. Exodus 16, 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. 
Wait, God moved. Again, God moved. Exodus 17, 3. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this, that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And God moved. Time after time, we could go on, on and on and on in their journey. And every time, God would move until God couldn't stand it anymore. Their forgetfulness and their ungratefulness, eventually, he just said, that's enough. His anger began to rise up within him, and he had all that he could take. And it tells us in Numbers 11, verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Remember this this morning. When you get into a tough spot and you begin to complain, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned amongst them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Their complaining caused the fire of God to come down and burn them up. It consumed them. They witnessed this with their own eyes. They witnessed what happened when you complain and grumble and, and get outside the camp and leave the church. And they sat there and watched as some walked away and their lives fell apart into shambles. And it, it was an example to us. Oh, that'll never happen. Okay, we're never going to let that happen again. And they forgot. Surely they won't forget now. They just watched people burn alive because they were complaining. They witnessed it. Numbers 14, 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we have died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we have died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Until the Lord finally had enough. And he's going to wipe the whole people off the face of the earth. But then Moses, we know he intercedes. And we find in Numbers 14, 11, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. Make this personal this morning. For all the signs which I have showed among them. I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a great nation and mightier than they. Skip down to verse 20. It says, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Forgetting God is a big deal. Forgetting his works is a big deal. Crying out and complaining in the midst of all God has done for us, God hates it. To the point he said not one of them will enter into the promised land. Jesus said every one of them are dead. And Brother Branham picked that up and said that means eternally separated from God. Every one of them eternally separated from God because they forgot. They were ungrateful. They didn't remember the Lord. They didn't remember his mighty works. So finally the Lord cries out, how long? 
repeatedly, time after time, the Lord had demonstrated his faithfulness in every single situation. However, as soon as they would encounter another trial, they would instantly forget the victory that they had just had. They had seen enough in Egypt that if God never did another thing for them, they should have never complained. If they had been trapped at the Red Sea and he didn't move, they still should have been able to praise him for the things that he did for them in Egypt. Not every single situation you face is going to work out exactly the way you think it should. He's not always just going to wipe it away and let you walk through just perfectly. There's times we go through battles, but it's he that gives the victory. Don't complain about the fact you were in a battle. Rejoice because you've got the victory. You're going to fight battles. That's part of the journey we're in. And yet how quickly they forgot. And church, I'm telling you today, how much should we remember what God has done in our midst? How victorious our lives ought to be. How, what, what overcomers we should be with all that God has done for us. Here at Evening Light Tabernacle and the bride around the world, but I'm speaking to you this morning, Evening Light Tabernacle, the things we've witnessed in this building, there's not a person in here that should ever doubt again. There's not a person in here who has a right to complain ever again. There's not anybody in here. He's done enough in this congregation that we should always remember the Lord. He's done enough in this congregation that we can lift our hands to him and praise him and say, Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, you are mighty. Lord, you have been good to me. Lord, you saved my soul. Lord, I'm unworthy, but you're worthy this morning, and you deserve all the praise and honor. You deserve me to remember you. But sometimes in service... I'm not saying anything ugly, y'all Y'all forgive me. But sometimes in service, I see people who have forgotten. Sometimes when the praise and the worship is going forth, and you look out across the faces, you see people who have forgotten. You see people that forget that God deserves everything, no matter what your day was like. We see that people forget that we're praising a God who has given his everything. And yet the praise that you're giving doesn't match what he deserves. Now, I realize that no amount of praise could ever equal what he truly deserves. But I believe we have an obligation to give him every single thing we have. And if you can sit there today as I'm preaching this and you go, you know what? I agree with that. And I'm not guilty. Because every service I'm ever in, I sing with everything I have. I respond with everything I have. My mind stays focused with everything I have. I hang on every word. Then that's what we're looking for. But if you're sitting there today and you know, I haven't given him everything in every service. I haven't always gave my all. Then this morning, we got to remember. God's not fixing to come down and, and consume you with fire this morning because you didn't sing in the song service. I, please don't think that's what I'm telling you. But we saw when they forgot God was merciful. And God moved. And I'm telling you, he's merciful this morning, but he wants you to remember. He wants you to praise. He wants you to give him every single thing that you can possibly give him. Church, if we truly remembered, think about how we would worship. If we truly remembered, think about all you would pour into it. If you remember what you were, and you remember what he's made you, if you remember where you were going, but now you know your destination in the future, how can you not give him praise? 
And you think about the times he healed you when you were sick. He delivered you when you were bound. How can you not give him praise this morning? How can we forget where he's brought us from? If you're saved, then you can worship. When you are set free, you can worship. And yet there's still many sitting there weighed down by a slave mentality. You're not a slave anymore. You've been set free, but you're allowing yourself to be held by broken chains. We heard Wednesday that you shouldn't be held by broken chains, but you're still sitting there and those chains are weighing you down and you haven't come to that realization that I'm free. The devil doesn't have a hold on me anymore. God has paid the price. He's gone to prepare a place for me. He's sending a rapture for me. He's provided healing for me. He's going to save my children. And if you really understand that, if you really believe that, there's no possible way you could sit in a service and not worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It would be impossible. It's not possible to be a believer and sit in church and not worship. It is impossible. It is impossible. Well, I don't worship. You're not a believer. You got to remember that you're free this morning. You got to remember everything he's done for you. And you got to remember he deserves your praise you got to remember that you saw your taskmasters floating in the Red Sea. Remember that you saw them floating in the Red Sea. Or have you forgotten? Why can't you worship? Why are you not content in life as the scripture tells us to be? Is he not enough? Has he not blessed you enough? Has he not done enough? Oh, Lord, I know you've forgiven my sins. I know you've done so much for me. I know you healed me. I know you delivered me. But things are tough right now. Really? I know you've done so much for me, Lord, but we're struggling financially. I know you've done so much for me, but I'm down about where my life is and the prospects of my life. I'm down because I thought my life would be better than this. It is very provoking to God to undervalue the things he gives you. It is very provoking to God to undervalue his blessings and the things he has poured out upon your life. To undervalue his mercies and to undervalue his, his provision, provisions. Well, I only have this and we only have that. And I'm in this situation and I only have this. Okay, Israel, we only have manna. We only have this. Look, angels' food wasn't good enough for them either. What does he have to do to be good enough for you? What does he have to do? I say he doesn't have to do another thing. I say he's poured out his blessings more than enough. I say if he never did anything else after Calvary, he's done more than enough for you that you can praise him through all eternity. But you got to remember what he did for you. You cannot forget. Israel said, yeah, well, I wish we had meat. I wish we had fish and garlic. Israel, have you forgotten? Brother Branham says, it's fine that God has so fixed this earth that we can all be happy. If we would just try to be that way. We can all be happy if we would just try to be that way. So, I'm just going to take what he said and say, so if you're not happy, you're not trying. Okay. If we would try to be that way, live happily and be thankful to him for what we have. I'm quite sure that one of the great faults with us is that we're not grateful enough for what we have. 
He has been so good to us to give us so many things, and we just don't seem to appreciate it as much as we should. See, grumbling and thanklessness, these are not a response to your circumstance. If you grumble and complain, you're not grumbling and complaining to your circumstance. You're grumbling and complaining to God. Understand that. Grumbling and complaining is not a response to your circumstance. It is a complaint to God. Israel grumbled when they were slaves. Israel grumbled when Moses showed up. Israel murmured and grumbled on the way to the promised land. See, the grumbling was in their heart. It had nothing to do with their surroundings. It had nothing to do with their current situation because it didn't matter what situation you found them in, they were complaining. They were grumbling. They were upset. So it had nothing to do with the current situation. The complaint and the grumbling is in your heart because you don't recognize what God has done for you. You don't remember how good he is, so nothing's ever quite good enough. And there's always a grumble and there's always a complaint. Your attitude towards God should not be rooted in a bank account. It should not be rooted in your current health condition. It should not be rooted in your current state of affairs. It should not be rooted in your job condition. Because just as grumbling is a reflection of your heart, so is a life filled with praise a reflection of your heart. So today, my attitude towards God is not on my bank account, not on my job situation, but my attitude towards God is because I remember what God has done for me. My heart cries out, Lord, you are worthy of my praise. I may be sick today, but you're worthy of my praise. I lost my job today. You're worthy of my praise. My children are sick. Lord, you're worthy of my praise because I remember I was I was bound for hell. You came to Calvary and shed your precious blood. I will remember today, Lord Jesus. I will praise the King of Kings. I will lift up the name above names because you're worthy regardless of my circumstance. And that's a reflection of the heart because he sits there and I can't keep quiet. I can't not praise him. But look at Job. Look at Job. You have not had a day quite like Job. But he praised him anyhow. And when people just said, curse God and die, he said, you speak as a foolish woman. His circumstances never determine his attitude. Because it's a reflection of your heart. We are to remember. I don't want to believe there's anybody sitting here today that's lost. I don't believe it. I know there's three kinds of believers, but I choose to believe each and every one of you will be there. It's up to you and the Lord to work that out. I choose to believe that we're believers. I don't believe there's anybody here lost. So if you're saved and if you're free, then you know what happened in your life. Then how can you not give every single moment in a church service everything you've got? Why, why are you harping on church services? Well, I'll put it to you like this. I know it's not supposed to be just in church. It's supposed to be every day of your life. But if you're not giving it your all for an hour and a half on Wednesday and a couple hours on Sunday, I ain't even got to worry about what's going on the rest of the week. If you're not giving it your all on Wednesday and Sunday, I ain't even got to worry about what you're doing the rest of the week because you definitely ain't giving it your all. If you can come in and sit down on God when his presence is moving, I know you sit down on him when you're all alone and you can't feel him. When work's hard and when your mind's off of them, I know you're not giving it. If you can't pour it out in this atmosphere, if you can't pour it out when he's moving amongst his people, then I'm not even 
giving thought to what goes on the rest of the week. If you're saved, how can you not praise him? How can you not give him everything when he's given everything for you? If you can't praise him, it's because you've forgotten. And I want to challenge you this morning to remember. Don't walk away and say, Brother Aaron said I'm lost. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you to remember this morning. Shake your memory. Shake your consciousness. Look back at what God has done. And when you see he's always been faithful, then look ahead to the other promises and go, I know he'll be faithful there. And because he's faithful, he deserves my praise. God hates his works to be forgotten. Forgetfulness brings lukewarmness. Forgetfulness brings death. And he hates for his works to be forgotten. And he hates it also when they become common to us. They should never become common to us. And, and he is constantly reminding Israel of his deliverance, telling them to rehearse it and teach their children, teach their children, Exodus 13 and 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand and the Lord brought you out from this place. Remember this day. Deuteronomy 15 and, excuse me, 5 and 15. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. And then he, he implements um, feasts and, and, and celebrations, and all of them are with the purpose of remembering. Every single thing that he implements for the children of Israel is for the purpose of remembering an event so that they would never forget. Because, look, God understands... There's one place in Psalm 78 where he goes on and on and on about how awful they've been. And then it says in the middle there, but he remembered that they were just flesh. As human beings, we have times where we forget. We have times where we get distracted. And it says he didn't destroy them because he remembered they were flesh. He remembered that they were humans. So he's constantly reminding, and in the sabbatical year, which in every seven years they, they would make a release. That's in Deuteronomy 15, 15. It says, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. Feast of weeks, Deuteronomy 16 and 12. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. Deuteronomy 24, 18. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. And the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Deuteronomy 24, 22, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. And you're thinking, look, I thought we were supposed to forget that we were slaves. Why is he constantly reminding them, I delivered you. You were bondsmen. You were slaves. The reason he constantly is reminding them of that is they began to look back at Egypt as if it was something pleasant. They began to look back at Egypt and say, Egypt was good. Egypt has this. And he's constantly having to tell him, don't you remember you were slaves? Don't you remember that you were a bondsman? Don't you remember? You're remembering the wrong things and you're forgetting the wrong things. You need to forget what needs to be forgotten and remember what needs to be remembered. You were slaves. You were beat. You were worked every single day. You had no time for God. And yet you're looking back going, we ate freely. You did nothing freely. You gave your backs to Pharaoh. Satan was a terrible tormentor, a terrible taskmaster. Do not look back and say, oh, it was good. You were slaves, he says. Constantly reminding them, I set you free. I set you free because otherwise they would forget. They were always forgetting and looking back with fondness. Numbers 11.5, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt. Freely the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. 
But now our soul, now that we're in this message, is dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Notice here how they remember and what they've forgotten. They've forgotten the whips on their back. They've forgotten their children were being murdered. Their women were being ravished. When we complain and look back, have we forgotten how evil the world was to us? Have we forgotten what an evil taskmaster Satan was in our lives? Have we forgotten what he did to our families? Have you forgotten what he's done to your children? When we look backwards, have we forgotten what a sacrifice Jesus paid at Calvary so that we could come out of that? Look, it's okay to remember. It's not okay to look back. Because a memory as I'm still walking forward doesn't show a longing in my heart. But if I stop and I look back, remember Lot's wife. If you're wanting to look back this morning, repent and remember what God has done for you. Repent and remember what he's done. Don't forget the, the taskmaster upon you. Don't forget your slavery to drugs and alcohol and things of that nature. You look back and you say, you know what? I had a pretty good time with my friends. I did it and you're looking at it with fondness. Or at least you're not looking at it with the hatred and the disgust that you should be looking at it with. It should be a part of our lives that we don't want anything of except to remember my God is good. The only reason I remember it is because I say, God, you saved me. The only reason I even remember it is I can say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that when I was lost and undone, when I was on my way to a sinner's grave and a devil's hell, you cared enough about me to reach down and save me when I wasn't even looking for you. And I remember it this morning. And I'll praise you for it this morning. No matter where I find myself at today, I'm not there. No matter where you find yourself at today, you're not back there. You're not still stuck in Egypt. You may be in the middle of a battle, but you're on your way to the promised land. I'm willing to fight any battle on my way to the promised land. Remember where you are. Remember where you're going. And forget the things in the past. Forget those things and press on. We begin to say, well, maybe it wasn't really so bad. Yes, it was bad. We almost remember it almost as a pleasantry. Have you forgotten the stripes of your taskmaster? And maybe you don't want to go back. Maybe you recognize that you're free. But if you brought some things of Egypt along with you, God was angry that they were lusting for Egyptian food. He was angry that even despite what they gave, he gave, he gave the manna that they were lusting for the Egyptian food. He says, is manna not enough? Is the revealed word in this hour not enough for you? Brother Branham says, I, I wonder if we're sufficiently impressed with the presence of God. Is it not enough? Is the open seven seals not enough that we have to look back and look for other things? Is it such a boring thing that we have to cram entertainment down our face at all times to where it consumes us? Are you that bored with what God has done? He's opened the word in this day. Never forget what went in the ministry of Malachi 4. Never forget what he's done for you in this last day. Never forget the signs and the wonders and the healings. 
And not only that they were done back there, you know, I think Brother Branham would be ashamed and upset if he thought that people believed it was only to be done in his ministry. That thing, that, was, that gift was demonstrated before us to show us that the pillar of fire had returned to the church. Never forget that the pillar of fire is still with you today. Never forget that he's in this building to do the same things that he's always done. Never forget that he's here to deliver you out of whatever situation you're in because he's done it before, he'll do it again. Never forget these things. Have we forgotten that we were slaves? Have we forgotten that we were lost? Have you forgotten that you've been set free? Never forget. It's kind of our thing. The enemy wants you to forget the slavery. He wants you to forget the stripes. He wants you to forget the bondage. You know, there's those in the world today trying to claim that the Holocaust didn't even happen. Or trying to claim that it wasn't as bad as they say it was. But the people in Israel say, no, no, we will never forget. Everywhere you go, there's memorials about it. Everywhere you go, there's signs. Everywhere you go, they're talking about it because they say, we will never forget. Because they recognize that if you ever forget how bad it was, you don't even have to forget that it happened. But if you begin to think maybe it wasn't so bad, if you begin to think it wasn't as bad as others say it was, then you're doomed to begin to repeat that process. When we begin to forget where we came from, we're doomed to repeat it. We cannot forget what it was that God saved us from. Yes, it was that bad. Yes, the life of sin was that evil. I was on my way to hell. I don't care where you were. You were on your way to hell. I'd say that's pretty bad. Well, I didn't live as bad as others. You were on your way to hell. I'd say that's pretty bad. So wherever you are today, at least you're not on your way to hell. So you ought to be able to give him your everything. Give him your all every time there's an opportunity to remember and an opportunity to praise. Some maybe look backwards today even at the denominations and the things that they came out of. And they begin to try to bring denominational ideas into this message because in their mind it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was that bad. There was no freedom in those camps. The church system was that bad. That's why God called you out of it. It wasn't a reformation this time. This time he said, it is that bad. Get out of her, my people, because there's going to be plagues fall upon her. That Roman system... It tortured millions and killed millions of your brothers and sisters. How can we forget that? It was that bad. It is that bad. We must remember them. We must remember the stand that they took in their day. Don't let those things just become something you talk about. We must not forget the rugged soldiers of the past that have gone on. The pastors that stood. The men who stood in circumstances way worse than what we stand in. Hiding in, in houses and basements and caves, hiding here and there, standing for the word. We must remember the men of the great revivals gone past. You had Luther in the Great Reformation and Edwards and Whitefield in the First Great Awakening. And, and, and then you had uh, Finney and Spurgeon and different ones like that down through. Men, women, children who stood. We can't forget them. They are invested in what you do today. They are invested men and women who were tortured to death and would not recount. Children burned at the stake and tortured and they would not recant. They would not recant. They would even praise God right up to the point of their death. Many of them even preaching to the ones that were killing them. Tell them you can be saved. They wouldn't stop. But I can't praise God this Sunday because I had a bad week. 
And they would sit there with their stomachs ripped apart, hands tied back, burning, going, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to give my life for you. But I had a bad week. How can we be so callous and how can we forget so easily? We expect it to be a flowery bed of ease. You must remember it's a war today. You must remember it's a battle. You must remember they're watching you even today. Those that gave their life are watching even today because they without you cannot be made perfect. They are counting on your success. They are invested in your success. They're watching going, don't forget. Don't forget. We laid our lives down today. Don't forget. Remember what he's done for you. Don't forget, press the battle. They told Brother Branham there, they said, press the battle. Press the battle. Don't, don't forget what's at the end of the road. They're invested in what you and I do, and we cannot forget this morning. God have mercy on us for how easy we have it. I will not forget when that same spirit that ruled those denominations and that Roman spirit that put all those people to, get to death begins to try to come back in the church. Denominational spirits try to come into the message church and once again take rule over God's people. We will not forget. We will not stand by and let the devils of cold, dark formalism begin to come back into our services. When they're trying to push out the leadership of the spirit, trying to push out the moving of the Holy Spirit, I will not forget. I will not forget what Malachi 4 was sent to to turn our hearts back to. Don't forget what you were restored to. You were not restored back to the word, the original word at Pentecost, so you can sit on a pew and think about tomorrow or sit on a pew and think about what you did yesterday. He didn't go through all the trouble of sending you, Malachi 4. Behold, I send unto you, Malachi 4. And you go, what have you done for me lately? Have you forgot that he's opened the seals? Has he forgot that he allowed you to see your name? I will not sit by oddly and allow us to go back to cold, formal church services. Do not take our church services for granted. Do not take the moving of the Spirit for granted. Do not forget what he's called us back to. Well, people are wondering, why are people leaving the church? Why are people leaving the message? Why are families falling apart? They forgot what we were restored to. They've forgotten and they became cold and formal and mechanical and mechanical. And it holds no one. Don't forget what we have to have in this day to overcome. He wants to rob the life. Take the moving on the spirit. But we won't forget. Brother Branham says the riches of thy blessings may rest upon this people. And may they go from here this day filled with the Holy Ghost. May they live from hereafter, Lord, filled with your spirit. May they never forget this. That they're contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. You're contending for the faith. It was once lost, but it's been put back in your hands. What are you going to do with it? What will you do now that it's in your hands and it's your race to run? We must remember. And if we remember, then we can praise him. Not just on Wednesdays, not just on Sundays. But when we do come together on those Wednesdays and Sundays, you can just pour it all out. You can let it all go. You can remember how he healed me. You can remember how he saved me. You can remember how he delivered me. And then if you can remember, there's nothing that will keep you from singing. There's nothing that will keep you from shouting. There's nothing that will keep you from pulling on the word because you remember what he's done. 
Remembering brings worship. Remembering always brings worship. But when we forget, we often see it reflect in our praise, not only in service, but the praise that our life gives off each and every day. We see it affect the dedication we have to the house of God. Those that remember are dedicated to the house of God. Those who have forgotten, eh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. You've forgotten what he did for you. You don't remember. Those who have forgotten see it affect their dedication to prayer. But our praise reflects our remembrance. Brother Branham would say, it's been my great mystery in my life. Of all things that he wondered about, he said, this is my great mystery. How can the scriptures be so plain and the people sit there and know that the spirit of Christ is in the room? Now, he's talking about where he says, where two or three are gathered, I'll be there in the midst of you. This is the great mystery to Brother Brown. How can you know the scripture so plain and know that the spirit of Christ is in the room and can hold your peace? I can't understand it unless their eyes are not open. Think about it. It becomes common to us, but Jesus Christ is in this room. And because you don't see his flesh, you think you can take the service off or go halfway. In your heart, ask yourself this. If he was standing here in the flesh, if he appeared here in the flesh, would you have acted the exact same way in the service that you've acted today? And I'm not getting on to you. Y'all have been wonderful. I'm just asking you a question. Would it have been exactly the same? Would you have sang exactly the same with him standing here, pouring the worship on him? I think not. I think not for myself, at least. I'll speak for myself. I think not for me. How can you believe that the Spirit of Christ is in the room and hold your peace? When I realize that he took my place through a divine exchange, I can't hold my peace. When I realize that I was going to die and go to hell, I can't hold my peace. When I realize he's healed my body, I can't hold my peace. When I realize that he pulled us out of denominations, I can't hold my peace. When I realize he's never failed, I can't hold my peace. When I realize that he's coming very, very soon, Brother Branham said, I can hear the ticking of the clock, and I can, I, I can see the angel getting ready to proclaim, time no more. It's right here. I can't hold my peace. It excites me to know that it's almost over. It excites me to know that I'm fixing to go home. It excites me to know that he's in our building in this place every time we worship. It excites me to know that he goes home with me. He rides in the car with me. It excites me to know that he's never left me and never forsaken me. That's enough. This morning I can say, I am not forsaken. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not forsaken. I've not been left here fighting alone. I've not been left alone. Thank you, Jesus. That's enough for me. I've not been forsaken. It's enough to shout about. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How can I not praise you? Brother Brown says, and when the church gets to the place where that Christ means so much to us that we thirst to get in his presence. We thirst. You know what it is to be thirsty? You got to have, so have it. Your mouth's parched. You got to have it. That's how it should be on Sunday and Wednesday. I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there and worship. He says, when you're that thirsty to get in his presence and get with each other. Wow. 
The gathering together is important. Well, I have church just at home by myself. That's not very important that I gather with people. The prophet said it was. The scripture said it was. That's good enough for me. Gather with each other. It's a life-giving resource. No devil can ever overtake you. And in doing so, we remember Christ was the one who made it possible for us. He was the one who did these things for us. We must remember him. For remember, once you was aliens and without God, Gentiles carried away with dumb idols. But remember, Christ died not for the Jew, but for every creature of Adam's fallen race. Christ died. Can we remember that this morning? Jesus died for me. What else do I need? He died for me. He saved me. He redeemed me. His blood is sufficient this morning. I remember, Lord Jesus, the things you took. I remember the beating you took, the stripes you took that were supposed to be for my back. The cat of nine tails would just rip the flesh out. Lord, I remember they took the thorns and they smashed it deep down in his head. Lord, I remember I haven't forgotten it was for me. Lord, I'm going to praise you this morning because of it. There may be a thousand other things you can praise him for, but I know you can at least find one. At least you can look to Calvary this morning and say, it was for me. Lord, I praise you today because it was for me. I remember, Lord Jesus. Let us never forget that Satan's designed this world to make you forget. He knows that man has a problem remembering. Even the disciples did this with Jesus. This story is amazing to me. In Matthew 16, 5, it says, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then said Jesus unto them, Now he's teaching them something here, a doctrinal thing. And he says, Take heed. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, because they're carnal-minded and they're hungry, and they've forgotten to bring bread, they say. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, is it because we forgot to bring bread? Is that what's going on here? We didn't bring bread, so he's talking about leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you brought no bread? Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? The story continues and another, it's also told in Mark 8, 18. He says, having eyes, see you not? And having ears, hear you not? And do you not remember? And when I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many basketfuls of fragments took you up? I can see them kind of being sheepish now because they're probably not feeling real bright at the moment. And they said, 12. And he says, and when the seven among 4,000, how many basketfuls of fragments took you up? They said, seven. Now I'm sure, and I don't mean this sacrilegious, but I'm sure Jesus didn't talk the way we talk. But I also look at it and realize the disciples were his friends. And, and I have to imagine he was human and he talked to him like friends. I have to imagine he said, and you're worried about bread? Really, with all that's going on, you're worried about bread? I just fed 5,000 with five loaves. And then 4,000 with seven loaves. And y'all are worried about bread? Are you kidding me? In some ways, how frustrating it must have been to him. This just happened. 
And they're going, we ain't got no bread. And he's trying to teach them a doctor. And they're going, I think he's talking about bread because we didn't bring none. Can you imagine? He says, don't worry about bread. Remember what I did last time? And even like Tabernacle, I want to tell you, don't worry about that sickness that's trying to attack you. Don't you remember what he did last time it tried to come? Don't worry about that depression that's trying to come on you. Don't you remember how he restored the joy last time it came? Don't you remember, don't, don't worry about your finances that you're in the middle. Don't you remember how he blessed you financially last time? Can't you look down through scriptures and see what he did last time? He says, you're worried about sickness? Didn't I promise that by my stripes you're healed? In this very church, haven't I defeated cancer? Haven't I defeated alopecia? Haven't I healed kidneys? Haven't I done these things time and time and time again and you're worried about this? Are you serious? Don't you remember? You're worried about bread? Don't you remember what happened last time we were in this situation? Don't be like Israel and you come to this and go, oh no! What did he just do yesterday? Oh, he gets you through it. Oh, praise God. You're so. Oh, no. What did he just do yesterday? And you're worried about bread. You're worried about things that he's proven time and time and time and time again that he's going to take care of. So next time you hit that situation, cry out to the Lord and go, thank you, Jesus, because I know I'm going to be victorious. Thank you, Jesus, because I remember what you did last time. I know what you're going to do this time. I remember. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget this morning. But remember, don't be worried about bread. Remember all that he's done for you. Haven't you seen me deliver enough to know that I'm going to do it again? Didn't I promise to heal you? Forget not all his benefits. He paid for them with his blood. He died for them. He was beat with them. Beyond anything you can possibly imagine. And then we just so easily forget them. That's why he said, forget not my benefits. Don't forget them. They're precious. They're bought with the price. Don't let them go by the wayside. Don't complain. Don't gripe. Don't forget. Please remember. Remember all my benefits. It cost me a life. It cost me everything. Remember them this morning. Everything that I promise you. When you're in need of deliverance, don't panic. Don't fret. Don't complain. Just remember, he is my deliverer. When you need a job, just remember, he is my provider. When we need healing, just remember, he is my healer. Brother Branham tells this lady, that little cyst won't hurt you. You know that, don't you? You know that it won't hurt you. And your worries that you've got on your heart, it won't hurt you. But you must remember that God is your healer. Look, we've seen the miracles. We've heard the word for years. But have we forgotten? You say, Brother brother, Aaron, I, I hadn't forgotten. I remember all those things. If you asked the children of Israel, they would have told you they hadn't forgotten as well. Because they could still recite it. They could tell you all about it. But their life and their actions proved otherwise. Their words said, in one point they said they, they remembered that he was their rock. In, in, in Psalm 79, and cried out to him. He said, but they were just giving him lip service. They were lying. They really didn't remember you say, Brother Aaron, I haven't forgot. I, I can remember. I can tell you about Sister Atlanta. I, I can tell you about the day he saved me. I can tell you. And then the worship goes forth. This song again. You've forgotten. 
The children of Israel would tell you they hadn't forgotten, but God looked at them and said, they'd forgotten me. And it enraged him. And it made him angry. And they would say, we love the Lord. And he would say, they've forgotten me. Evening Light Tabernacle, we must remember this morning. First Chronicles 16 and 12. I'm trying to hurry. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. The marvelous works of God cannot become common to us. As I mentioned earlier, we cannot take his presence for granted. There is nothing that can replace the presence of Almighty God. There is nothing like it. When he moved down in a service, I've said it many times. I've said it to friends. I say there's nothing like that in the world. I've experienced a lot of things in the world, things I wish I had not experienced. And yet I can tell you this. There is nothing like the presence of God. There is nothing that can compare to the presence of Almighty God. And his works are so wonderful. And he's gone to such great lengths to make sure that we didn't miss it. He sent Malachi 4 and did thousands upon thousands, times thousands of miracles. Opened the seals, signs, and wonders to make sure you wouldn't miss it. He over-vindicated it to the point that you cannot miss it unless you just choose to walk away from it. To ensure that it was so overly vindicated that you would have absolutely no doubt. And as a people that are accustomed to the supernatural, that have heard about the supernatural your whole life, that has witnessed the supernatural, God hates it when it becomes common. God hates it when we don't look at it and realize how precious it is, how wonderful it is, how mighty it is. Brother Branham says, you've seen the Lord God manifest himself and do the things that he said he would do until it's become so common, there's no more thrill to it. God, shake us tonight. God is so good to you people and you people who are full gospel and believe all the Bible. God has done so many miracles and done so many things for you. He's been so good and you don't recognize it. Wake up. Open your eyes. He's standing. He's knocking, trying to get in to control you, to make you what you should be, to take away the world from you, and to make you new creatures of his. That's why he gives you these things that he has given you. Then he goes and he tells the story about the young man walking down to the seashore. And he was so excited to go down to the seashore. He wanted to see the waves leaping and the white caps and the seagulls and smell the sea salt. He was excited to go. You remember when you were excited to come to the house of God like that? I can't wait to see what God's going to do today. I can't wait to see him move. I love it when I'm hanging out with people or just sitting around on Saturday and you hear somebody say, man, I can't wait for church tomorrow. I love that. I can't wait to get into service tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the service tomorrow. And he's walking down to the sea and he meets an old sailor. And he says, where are you going? Oh, I'm going down to the sea. It's going to be wonderful. I can't wait to see these things. I can't wait to smell this. And and, and the, the sailor says, I was born on the sea. I've been there for 40 years. There isn't nothing thrilling about it that I can see. He'd seen it so much till it become common to him. When it gets to the point that you aren't excited to see what's going to happen in church on Sunday and you aren't excited to see what's going to happen in church on Wednesday, it's become common to you. It's gotten to the point where it doesn't thrill your heart anymore. Brother Branham says, your fathers and mothers rejoice when God had been to pour out his spirit upon the church. And sometimes today, I think we can say your young people and your sons and daughters are rejoicing when they get to come to church. How about you older folks? 
How about you get with it sometimes? We have a wonderful group of people. I'm not piling on anybody. I'm just saying let's all get in it together. Let's all move together. Let's all push together. We have one common goal. We have one thing, and our calling and our purpose is to leave here in a rapture. Don't forget what you're here for. And when you come to the house of God, recognize there may be people that aren't as far along as you, and they need a touch. And you may be just fine, but you say, I'm going to create an atmosphere so that person can be blessed, so that person can be saved, so that person can be healed. Lord, I'm going to give you my all this morning. Don't forget why we're here. He goes on in that story and he says, and now he says, what about you assemblies of God? Why you stood on the corner, a little tambourine and everything else, you would have died for the cause. And now you won't walk across the street for the cause. What happened? You did run well. What hindered you? It's because it's common to you. You believe it all. Sure you do. But it doesn't thrill you anymore. It's so common. God's so good to you, and you don't realize it. He says, you've seen him open the eyes of the blind, and some of y'all wouldn't walk across the street to see it again. You've seen him heal the sick. You've seen him perform miracles. You've done all this, and it's so common, it doesn't thrill you anymore. Church, please don't let our services become common. Don't get to the point when the spirit moves, you sit there and go, Oh, yeah, she gets excited all the time. Somebody breaks forth in a blessing. You go, oh, yeah, that's about the third time this month. Well, you know, if you were the one getting touched and getting excited and enter in, you wouldn't know about it. Because it would be you getting blessed. It would be you getting touched. It would be you giving your all. At the very least, you know what? I understand full well. And you've heard Brother Joe say this before. We're not all going to act the same. I totally understand that. But there ain't a one of us who should be able to sit there with our mouths closed and our hands down and a stone face in a church service. I don't care what your personality is. I don't care what your makeup is. God's done enough for you that you can at least say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. God's done enough for you that you can at least sing the songs. God's done enough for you that you can at least clap your hands. You don't got to run around this church. But when I do, I don't need you to be critical. I need you to say, praise God, he's getting a blessing this morning. I'm thankful he's getting a blessing this morning. And when you take off and when you dance and when you shout, I'm going to say, praise God, they're getting a blessing. And some of you, if I ever hear you say amen, I'm going to go, praise God, they got a blessing. But we can all do something because he's done so much for us. Don't let these services become common. It should excite us every single time when God moves. He wants us to remember him in our services. He wants us to remember him in our life. And he wants us to give him praise. He wants our praise. He wants our praise. He wants our worship. You say, but I'm not made that way. He wants your praise. I don't feel like it today. He wants your praise. But I had a bad week. I said he wants your praise. You cannot forget. Listen, he's looking for somebody in this day. And I believe there's a people on the face of the earth who will remember. He's looking for somebody to remember. Somebody who recognizes that it's a miracle that I'm even sitting in this building this morning. Somebody who recognizes that I should have been dead a long time ago, but here I am. Somebody who was lost, but now they're found. Somebody who was on their way to hell, but now they're on their way to a rapture. And they praise him. They praise him when they had a bad day. They praise him when they had a good day. They praise him when things go bad. They praise him when things go wrong. They praise him no matter what. He's looking for somebody that has not forgotten. Somebody that will worship. 
Brother Brown says, oh, brother, I wonder if the warriors today are willing to cut their way through formalism, doubts, and unbelief to refresh the presence of the Lord. He was telling the story of David and the soldiers that went to get him a drink. He says, is there somebody here that will give the Lord a drink, a fresh drink of their praise, a, a fresh offering of praise and worship? He says, the least of his desires, if it's Africa, India, if it's in the street, the least of your desires, Lord, is my command. Death don't mean a thing to me. Popularity don't mean nothing to me. What I am, what I will be means nothing. Lord, it's to fulfill your desires. That's the warriors that's standing by the side of him. If they call me a holy roller, if my name is scandalized, if they kick me in the street, that doesn't matter. Your desire is my command. That's a real soldier. I say it's time for Evening Light Tabernacle to remember this morning. I say it's time to forget what you should forget and remember what needs to be remembered. Brother Branham goes on to say, if you've seen God provide and do a miracle, then can't he do a miracle again? See, in other words like this, if he saved you from sin, can he not heal your body? Don't you remember when you was a sinner how he lifted up your soul and faith to believe? Can't he likewise do something great for you again? Can't he? Can't he do a miracle or something else for you? The five baskets? Remember, when they crossed over the Red Sea, God opened the way like that and made the Red Sea open and walked through. He come right on the other side, and as soon as they didn't have water, they started murmuring. As soon as they got without bread, they started crying. We don't have no bread. Didn't you consider the miracle back there at the Red Sea? Have you not come down? When they got all in a spot by the Red Sea, they said, oh, we ought to have died. Here comes the Egyptians on us now. Here it is. What are we going to do? He said, who smote the earth with plagues down there? Who kept the sun shining in Goshen? See, we must remember those things. Remember, God is God. Any of it. He's still God. He certainly can do anything. Remember this morning. Remember this morning. God is God for your situation. God is God for what you face tomorrow. God is God for your lost children. God is God for your lost husband. God is God. You say, well, I'm walled in from this promise. I can't get it. Then remember Jericho. You say, my children are lost out there. Then remember the prodigal son. You say, my loved one's too far gone. Remember Legion this morning. Remember the works of old. And remember that God is God this morning. Amen. Who wants to remember this morning? I'm going to remember this morning, Lord, that I'm your child. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, now we are the sons of God. I remember today, Lord, that I'm forgiven by your precious blood. I remember, Lord, that you said I'll never leave you or forsake you. He told me, the devil told me that I was no good and I was unworthy. But I remember this morning, Lord, that you said you chose me to be a people for his treasured possession. Lord, I remember that you loved me when I was unlovable. I remember today that all your promises are true. There's victory in remembrance. Nehemiah 14.4 says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Brother Aaron, I'm surrounded today. Forget about them. Remember the Lord, for he is terrible. Now, he's not terrible to you, but to your enemies. 
And he says, and fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your houses. You want victory this morning? Remember the Lord. Jonah in the belly of the whale said, I remembered the Lord. And when he did, the whale had to bring and spit him out on dry land. Thousands of men forgot who they were, but David remembered, and it brought victory against Goliath. Shamgar forgot for years and years and years who he was, but when he remembered who he was, it brought victory. There's victory this morning in remembrance. Listen, even if you were in the enemy's prison this morning, and I'm bringing this to a close, even if you forgot him, I promise he has not forgotten you. Maybe you used to be victorious. Maybe you used to remember. Brother Branham said that Samson actually won battles because he remembered he was seed of Abraham. He would get in a bad situation. There would be nothing around. He'd say, I'm seed of Abraham. And he'd just reach down and pick up that jawbone in faith. He says, but then he forgot that he was seed of Abraham by birth. Brother Branham says, he says he forgot he was seed of Abraham by birth. And then Brother Brown just says, I'd remember. I'd remember. He's telling you it's important. If I were you, I'd remember this morning. Maybe you've lost your joy. I'm just bringing this down to you. Maybe you've lost your peace. Maybe you've lost your praise. Maybe you've lost your victory. What I'm asking you to do this morning is begin to remember. Remember who saved you. Remember who healed you. Remember who delivered you. Remember he is mighty in battle. Remember your enemy is a defeated foe. Remember that my God has conquered death, hell, and the grave. I remember, Lord. Lord, I remember your faith will begin to build if you dwell on those things and remember. Brother Branham says, I'm skipping around this to get to the end. He says, let us remember you made the promise. You are the one that's responsible for this promise. Let us remember, no matter what anyone else says, you are the one. You are the one that we're looking to fulfill your promise. You're the one that said, if he believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I remember you said that, Lord. And when you said those who did believe in you, now you said if we believed, we had eternal life. And you said, those that did believe in you, the works that you did, they would do also. Now, Father, we know that you are God, and we know that there is none other but you, and we believe you. And we are trusting you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, with our heads bowed, how many in this building that knows that you're not remembering your Lord in the way that you should remember him? And at the end of this little chopped up message, you're willing to raise your hand up and say, God, make yourself real to me till I remember you. Till I remember your commandments, till they be upon my bedpost, I put the Lord always before me. As David said, Lord, give me more of you that I can remember you. Bow your heads together with me, please. Psalms 20 and verse 5 says, we will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven. 
and the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. I wonder how many of us have forgotten. I want to ask you now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not asking you to come to the altar and ask for forgiveness. I'm just asking how many would raise a hand like Brother Brown said and say, Lord, help me to remember. Help me to remember everything you've done for me, Lord. Help me to remember your goodness. Help me to remember to praise you regardless of my circumstance. You know, no wonder remembering is such a central theme throughout the scripture. God knows our mind is drawn to forgetfulness, and he wants us to remember what he has done. And when we remember, then we can praise him. When we remember, we can have victory. Church, there should never be a service that we don't praise him with everything we got. The day you had doesn't matter. The week you had doesn't matter. Because if you remember the reality of what God has done for you, it so far outweighs anything you're going through. Think of the exchange that he made for you. Think of the trade he made for you. Have we forgotten? Right now, I want each and every one of us to think back. Every one of us can go to this place. Think back and remember a time that God moved for you. Can we all go there right now to a place where God moved for you? To when God touched your life. And I guarantee you there's not one person sitting here that doesn't have something to thank him for. There's no one here who hasn't been touched in some way by the hand of God. He's worthy to be praised. Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. You've done so very much for us, Lord Jesus. How could we forget you? How could we forget the sacrifice, Lord God, at Calvary? How can we forget, Lord God, all that you've done? Lord, the cry of my heart all week has been, I will remember. Lord, I'll never forget, but I'll remember, Lord, what you did. Lord, at Calvary, what you did. Lord, sending a message in this day, what you did. Lord, saving me, Lord God. Filling me with your spirit, Lord God. Turning my life around, a life that was rotten and unworthy and in shambles, Lord. But you saved me. How could I forget? Lord God, I remember today. You're worthy to be praised, Lord. Lord, I remember that you're going to deliver me. Lord, I remember that you said when my enemies come upon me, they're going to stumble and fall. Lord, I remember you made a promise that you've gone to prepare a place for me. And we're going to press the battle this morning, Lord, because we remember. Lord, we love you with all our heart. You saw the hands go up across this congregation. I pray that you'll just drop into their heart and help them to remember. Lord, Satan has created a world to make us forget. But we shall remember. We must remember. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. I know this people loves you. Bless them, I pray, Father. They've been wonderful audience today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.
know, as I began to search through some things this week, looking for what I was going to preach, and I came across this song. I don't normally do this, but I, I can't sing. I'm not a singer. But this song became the cry of my heart. I, I must have listened to it 50 times this week. Lord, I don't ever want to be guilty of forgetting everything you've done for me. I said, we need to sing this in church. It just overwhelmed me. I said, I can't lead the people. So I called Brother Philip. I said, well, y'all sing this for us. And it's meant to be a congregational. If you want to sing along, sing along. You have something to sing about. It says, we shall remember the works of your hand. We shall remember thy faithfulness. And it goes on to talk about he's the giver of life. He's the giver of everything. We're going to remember and we're going to praise him. It talks about in the dark valleys, when I go through trials, I'm going to remember and I'm going to praise him. It says when things are bad, I'm going to remember what I was and what I am and I'm going to praise him. We shall remember. If you want to sing it with us, sing it with us. I pray it blesses you.
still remember the day you saved me, the day I heard you call out my name. You said you loved me, you'd never leave me, and I'm shadow of death in the midst of my enemies you prepare a table for me that we can sit down Lord and just remember all you've done hallelujah, hallelujah. oh hallelujah amen without any music now just lift your voice to him to God be the glory to God. God, be the glory to God. Be the glory to God.
my praise. Please you, Father. Yeah. 